0: This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR, sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan,
1: creating a food secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for listening. It's been said by about a gazillion people that knowledge is power. Presidents, politicians, parents, and just regular people have uttered this phrase often. We use it for motivation, inspiration, and sometimes as a warning, especially in the context of if you don't have it, then you are powerless. It was the knighted philosopher Francis Bacon in the late 17th century who served Queen Elizabeth I who first uttered these famous, often repeated words, knowledge is power. Using this phrase as his foundation, Lord Bacon developed what is now known to us as the scientific method. This method has guided and continues to impact how we acquire knowledge and use it. Whether it is scientists and engineers at NASA, calculating and planning a trip to Mars, Are researchers trying to help us understand everything from the finite to the infinite. The scientific method is used to help gain knowledge. Why? Because knowledge is power. Knowledge is powerful because it can lift us to greater heights or the lack of it can cause us to languish in ignorance. Primarily, knowledge is powerful because it is liberating. Today on our show, Dr. Steven Borders returns to help us understand at a greater level how the knowledge we've gained up until today can help us predict the needs of food insecure families and communities tomorrow. Knowledge is power and Steve is helping us become smarter by the minute. Join Jerry Brisson, Dr. Steve Borders, and me in just a moment. Welcome back everyone, Jerry Brisson, and as promised, Dr. Steve Borders joins us. Steve, welcome back to the Food First Michigan. Geez, when you were last on the show, the show had a different name. It was uh, Food for Thought. Everybody and their dog had that one, so we changed the name of it to Food First Michigan. And at any rate, whatever show we are on, Jerry and I are doing,
0: we're glad to
1: have you with us.
0: Well, great. Well, thanks for having me back. Good to be here, so Steve, catch us up
1: where are you because the last time you were on the show, I think you were a professor at Grand Valley State University, and uh, then we're going to talk about all the work that you're doing with us here in Michigan and food security. But let's get caught up with Dr. Borders,
0: okay? Well, wonderful, and again, thanks for, for having me on. And uh, yes, yeah, so uh, actually, I've moved back closer to, to home, I'm an associate professor. Of uh, public health and health administration at uh, Coastal Carolina University in Conway South Carolina. A little bit uh, warmer down here so in the winter time (laughs) so yeah hey pretty good football season last year too. Yeah yeah it was uh, quite exciting to see uh, Coastal have a really exciting run there Uh, so we're hoping for big things out of them again this year as well. So
2: so well, good to have you. You know, in in coastal Carolina, still willing to help us Michiganders. Uh, so so, when you think about the the three most exciting things you're doing in your work right now, what would they be?
0: Well, I'm you know, honestly, I'm you know I'm still really excited about the food insecurity work that I'm doing with you guys, and uh, it just continues to be a a really interesting and fascinating issue and um, I think we've made a lot of progress on it and uh, I'm happy to share some of those uh, thoughts with you here uh, about where we're going with some of the things that we've done and some of the exciting things that I think are are happening uh, with some new developments that we're working on uh, with some of your colleagues there uh, at the food bank council of Michigan
1: well Steve that that's been they're totally excited to be able to work with you, um, and uh, Dr. Dr. Will and Dr. Dawn. Uh, uh, Dawn is just on the show a couple weeks ago, and so it's been pretty uh, special for them to work with you. But before we dive into what you guys are doing and, and the cool things that and how cool that is, I, let me piggyback Jerry's question and ask you. Why does this mat why does this issue of food insecurity matter so much to
0: you You know that that's a, a great question and so um, you know I think you know and, and Phil Phil and I actually met you know during some time that I was served on the board uh at Feeding America West Michigan and uh, that was kind of how uh, we just had a chance encounter to, you know it ended up being at the same event uh, And, um, you know, it's just wonderful how sort of these sort of serendipitous relationships can come about sometimes. And uh, So that was kind of where everything started, Phil, that must have been, what, five or six years ago now?
1: Yeah. It's Uh, been at least five.
0: Yeah. And uh, it was just a really cool, and I think, you know, we we just kind of hit it off and started talking about... um, you know, just some some things that interested both of us um, over a, a, a beer, and uh, you know, the rest is kind of kind of history from there. Um, but you know, I think just sort of thinking back too about my my background and history, you know, and I I've always sort of been really interested in taking some of the the the. Analytical tools that I've had and trying to solve problems with them. And uh, I think, you know, that's just sort of where my head's been. Uh, and so, you know, what I think we'll continue to talk about here with some of the work that we're doing is using GIS, you know, geographic information systems, it's mapping uh, and really trying to help people see where some of these food insecurity problems are and how do we think about solving those. And again, it's just, um, kind of where my heart is and and sort of helping people. It's always sort of where I've been uh, as well as just, I think, uh, a wonderful way to help people visualize and and solve and think about these problems in ways that they probably never thought of them before.
1: I love the fact that you're using, uh, and I talk about this in the monologue a little bit, the scientific method for good. Uh, I mean, you're really trying to to, to take what we learn and apply it and help us become better and and Jerry has a saying he's been saying lately and that is that we have to be the best at food and uh and this is going to help us do that and we want to unpack that with you in the next segment uh, about what that means but Jerry I think you've got a comment before we get out of this segment
2: well you know it's uh one of the things that we know is if we're going to solve food insecurity we're going to have to be innovative we're going to have to keep learning and we're going to have to build on what we've learned and so bringing a partner like you, Dr. Borders, to the table who is really helping us get a very concrete picture of the data that we have around food insecurity so that we can start hopefully in the not too distant future to help us understand when we make an intervention, when we say we're going to distribute more food or we're going to have a program or we're going to do something, we can actually see those data points move. Now that's, that's asking for a lot because it's a complex issue. There's a lot of Things involved in, you know, looking at community food insecurity and what makes somebody food insecure. But nonetheless, we should eventually be able to normalize those things so we get a lot more insight into what's actually working when we decide to do something about it. So I I think it's fantastic. I think we have to do more and better, right? Not just more, but more and better. And you can't do that without good information.
1: Here's what I know, we gotta pay some bills and we're coming (laughs) back with Dr. Steve Borders. He's Jerry Brisson, I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We're all three back with you. You come back and be with us. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan, With Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight. As always, Jerry Brisson, the uh, chair, the president of the Food Bank Council Board of Directors, CEO and president at Gleaners Community Food Bank, the oldest food bank in Michigan. Jerry, always great to see you. And our guest, as you know, is Dr. Steve Borders. Uh, Great first segment there, gentlemen. Thanks for... uh, For catching us up with you Steve but let's talk about the work because the work is evolving food banking is way different now than what it was when it started uh, 35 40 45 years ago and uh, we're evolving with that with the need and the challenges that come with this work and you're helping us do that and you're doing that with data so talk to us about how you're working with our team at the Food Bank Council and what it really means as we try to solve this problem.
0: Sure, absolutely. And you know, I think Jerry just sort of said it perfectly in his last segment. You know, set us up a really great segue into to where we're headed with these things and you know, so I think if you if you think about where we started a few years ago, you know, it was really about quantifying things, really quantifying the response, the need. You know, we, we did things like how many people are food insecure in Michigan? So, you know, wh- where do they live? Um, and we're doing things by census track. I know that's a little bit esoteric to sort of talk about over the... The, the radio here, but basically it's just sort of the neighborhoods, you know, we're sort of looking at neighborhood by neighborhood in ways that, that we weren't before, so we're sort of counting pounds. So we're, we're taking things, looking at the map and saying, is there a is there a food provider, is there an emergency food provider there? Um, and and I think, you know, when we start looking at those things, we say, yeah, you know, we're, we're covered pretty well, things look pretty good, um, but you know that sort of moved us to these next questions about where and how and are we doing the right things and so that's what we're doing now and and again you spoke of of dawn opal and and will mahoney who are doing just a fabulous job in helping us think about collecting data on these in a way that we've never had before. So, and again, where everything was sort of retrospective in the past, we're trying to be more prospective uh, and thinking about you know, are the pantries located in the right place? Are we getting food to the right people? I'll, I'll give you a, a perfect example of some things, what we're doing. So that they've really sort of blown up a lot of assumptions that I had about how food is distributed in Michigan. So, you know, one of the things that we're doing for the first time is that we're actually collecting data on real uh, clientele, you know, people that come to these pantries, you know, who are they? Um, and again, we're not, you know, necessarily getting into, you know, r- you know, sort of like the way Amazon or maybe Google does, and we're trying to find out a lot of things about you. But, but again, we're just trying to better understand who these people are and where they come from. And, you know, and I think when, when I started modeling some of these things, you know, some of the things that I had sort of had, and I had read one study, and it's funny, if you go out and look, you know, there really are all of these studies in the literature about need, but nobody's really quantified these things. Uh, and so one of the things that, that I noticed as we started looking and, and applying GIS to this and mapping were that, you know, I kind of assume that people came to these pantries pretty close by, you know, that they drove maybe five minutes, ten minutes in a rural area. But, you know, what we're finding is that people come a long way and way in, you know, in distances that you would have never have dreamt or thought possible, but now it makes a little more sense. So, for example, oh. in some of these pantries, we're finding that ten percent of the clientele, come drive forty minutes or more to some of these mobile pantries that we're doing in and around Battle Creek and in Calhoun County, uh, Michigan. It, and you know that that was a real eye opener for me. Um, sure. I had no idea. But you know, when you think about people and how far they travel to work, um, and to come for these things, it, it, it probably makes a little more sense. We also are finding that it's not just one person but when these people come and pick up right they pick up for multiple households right because there's a lot of transportation barriers uh... and they're helping their neighbors out so the you know you you were starting to see these things uh... that i think are are quite interesting so they're picking up for not just their household but maybe a friend or a relative household as well. But I was really uh, amazed and fascinated. So what that helps us do is think about how to model some of these things. And you know, if you've ever it's, sort of you know, Steve, driven by Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, let me let me get let me get, you you said some great stuff there. I want to get Jerry's reaction to it because Jerry, is this what you've been feeling intuitively about the people that we serve, the families that we serve?
2: Well, that's a really good question. I, I, I think no one would ever accuse me of being a good model. <laughs> <laughs> in so many ways but i think no i i think there's a lot of new stuff here and I, but but also um you know one thing leads to the next thing when you start doing this kind of work right so you 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 say okay does the data say what we expect or doesn't it when it says what you expected you still only know so much when it doesn't you realize not only that you need to know more, but you didn't know what you thought you knew, right? So so that's the process and it's a good process. I, I do think that transportation is often an issue that's talked about as a barrier, but I also like the fact that people are solving their own problems. And, and by that, I mean, they're going, you know what, we're gonna, we're gonna double up, we're gonna get more than one household involved in this because bottom line, the people that we serve are a big part of the solution. And a lot of people think of the people we serve as part of the problem, not part of the solution. And I think it's really important as we learn how the people we're serving are part of the solution to change that narrative, right? We've got to change the narrative from needy people to people who are worth investing in. And when you learn things like this, you begin to really discover the investments we've already made are, people are taking advantage of that in ways that show how smart they are, right and how capable they are of solving their own problems. So I just want to highlight that one piece, even in the in the in the information that you've already presented to say, there's more to learn than just the effectiveness of our programs and I think that's one of the things that makes learning a critical part of innovation.
1: I love it. Guys, we're going to have to take a break, but Steve, that was awesome description of of what you're helping our team do and how we can see it. And, you know, I'm definitely a visual learner, so I love what you're doing. And it excites me because I think it's going to help us do more and better. And that seems to be a reoccurring thing here on Food First Michigan. That's Jerry Brisson, Dr. Steve Borders. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We'll all three be back in just a moment food first michigan once again here's phil and jerry welcome back everybody thanks for being with us dr steve borders from coastal carolina by way of grand valley State University, uh, former board member with Feeding America West Michigan, uh, but a hunger champion through and through. A guy who stands in the gap for the families that we serve and believes in the families that we serve. So, Steve, it's great to have you. And uh, thanks for the work that you're doing to help us see what we can do both more and better as we serve. Jerry. Um, I got to know you. I know we've been doing this show almost four years. I know you got questions.
2: <laughs> well, I think, you know, just building on the the discovery, if you will, of, of how, pe- how far people are traveling. Um, as you're working on this model, Steve, what are the other kinds of things that you're imagining we're going to know more about? And it might be too many things to, to say them all. But as you kind of think about looking at what you've got and and seeing how this is going in terms of getting more information from the people we're serving and then and then Putting that in maps with the other, you know, information we already have about poverty and and home ownership and uh, you know whether people are getting you know serviced as a you know in the in the school lunch program you know what I mean? There's there's lots of data sets we've pulled into this and now they're overlapping with this information that we're getting from people actually receiving services. Are there other things bubbling up or or as you're thinking about modeling? Do you do you directionally kind of have new ideas about where this should go.
0: Yeah, and 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 again, Jerry, those are those are all great great questions. Um, and you know, one of the things that, that probably to, to think about, and uh, probably the easiest way, you know, if and especially anybody who's ever driven around and and you know observe that. Wow, you know, that was a really great place for them to put that CVS or that new Walgreens. So that's what they do is a technique called suitability analysis. And essentially, you know, these are things that have never been brought to food banking and we're doing this same type of analysis jerry with those questions that you just asked about all of those data sets but you know so what's different right is with the suitability analysis right instead of trying to figure out where the best place to put the new cvs is we're thinking about where is the best place to put this new mobile pantry so so we're working in in Calhoun County and for the South Michigan Food Bank that's where our first models are going to be Um, you know where we're looking and thinking about trying to help them better locate these new things, right? I think everybody had some intuition about where they might go, where they should show up, but we're trying to use, you know, again, sort of this scientific method to help them better understand. So if we know more about how pounds are distributed, who comes to those, what's the food insecurity rate, what's the walkability of that community? You know, if we're thinking about people with transportation barriers, I think we know that rural pantries have different distribution than urban pantries. So we have different clients tell. So all of these things we can adjust in our model. So we're looking at urban areas. We're looking at suburban areas. We're looking at rural areas. We're also using this technique to help us change, right? And again, think about where those areas are served and where the areas are not served as well and where we can better get food into people's hands who truly need it.
2: Let me ask this question. Can you imagine a uh, 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 an eventual world in in food banking where, where we might even be able to say, look, we've got a community over here with exceptionally high incidence of diabetes. And so we got to look at our inventory and say, are we getting the right kinds of food for people that are challenged in that way? You know, is it is it possible to imagine a world where we not only know where people live and, and some of the poverty issues, but actually some of these other things that affect people's lives that really might influence not just that there's food, but how much food or the type of food that we would have there because of that information.
0: Yeah, and again, that's another thing and that's a a very exciting data set that we've added this year. Um, There's a data set from the the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, that is based on this database called the Behavioral Risk Factor Survey. But essentially what they've done is, is gone around and And assessed every community just sort of the same way that Feeding America has done with assessing for food insecurity. But now we know things about the rate of diabetes in these communities. We know things about the rate of obesity in these communities, things that we didn't know until last year. You know, these are new data sets. So I think these are, again, really. Uh, interesting and powerful data sets that we'll be able to look at and think about. You're exactly right. How do we tailor um, the, the food to make sure that it is, you know, not only uh, nutritionally appropriate, right, but but appropriate for, in every sense of the word, for the communities in, in which they, they serve, right? It's no longer just about calories and feeding hungry people. It's about getting the appropriate food into the people's hands that, that again, truly need it in a, in, a, in a well-designed way. So
2: let me just make one other, I mean, this, this stuff is really exciting to me, and I, I have just one other thing. Back in the day, Client choice pantries were the innovation of the year. You know, 20 years ago, that's what people were talking about. And the reason it was so exciting is because giving people a chance to choose the foods for themselves was uh, a way to reduce waste and increase satisfaction and increase the likelihood that we were actually nourishing people. It was a great innovation. But the best possible case is that when you walk into a pantry or you go to a food distribution, All of the food is food you would choose, right? The best case is that it's all food that you would say, that's what I want, that's what I want, that's what I want, and you can't get there just with surveys. You have to have data, you have to really understand right down to these level of details, exactly what it is people choose to spend money on, how, you know, the things that they're struggling with, whether that's I have, you know, I've got a household with or without kids, I'm taking care of an elderly parent. all of those things influence the foods that people will choose, right? When you have that information and when they show up, and whether it's a, a contactless drive-through distribution or whether it's a pantry, Can you imagine what it would be like to walk in and say, my gosh, there's nothing here I wouldn't choose? That's the game, right? That's the highest level you can be in terms of making sure you have the food that people want and need in a way that they want and need it in the quantities that are actually gonna change their life and help them manage the trade-offs that they have every month and and help them really get onto their next success. And so this building block that we're working with here in South, and I gotta give South a huge amount of credit because not only are they doing this, but they've got a healthcare pilot with a federally qualified health system that that is groundbreaking. In terms of what it's teaching us about how we can interact best with healthcare and with consumers who need both food and healthcare. It's it's phenomenal work. These are the things that are gonna put us in that place of you know being you never be a hundred percent, but but moving from, well, we're gonna give you what we have and let you choose it and hope it's right, to we're gonna give you what we know you want and we're gonna be within one or two percent of of before you even have to choose what we know you you already want and need i mean i know when you go on your computer now and the next ad that pulls up is exactly right based on the things that you've (laughs) shopped for before right i mean now you might not need another you know hot pot or something like that because you already have one but nonetheless it, it is that idea that information can help us. It's not just—it's not just an invasion of privacy. And I know that's <laughs> an awkward thing to say, but nonetheless, you know, there's things we can use information for that's gonna make us better and gonna make when someone drives 40 miles to get food. Can you imagine how disappointing it is when the food they want to need isn't there, even if they have choice, right? Absolutely. I mean, the, these are real things, right? This is the stuff of life.
1: Well, it's the way that we can. Elevate our level of service, and it's a way that we can communicate to the people that that we are serving, the families that we are serving, how valuable they really are to the community, because we're giving them the best we can, not just what we have or what's left or whatever. And I think that again is Steve's work is helping us prove once again the power of food. That communicates value to the families that we serve. Steve, we're going to run out of time with you, so we're going to have to have you back, uh, even though there was a a semi veiled threat not to do that. But, (laughs) uh, semi, uh, Uh semi, semi. (laughs) Uh, So, let me give you the last word here with us, with uh, uh, this segment, and for your time with us here on the show. Uh, but you have to know how much we admire you and appreciate you, and thanks for using your talents, your your intellect to help us solve this problem.
0: Sure, you're you're absolutely welcome, and it's my pleasure. And uh, I, I would be remiss too if I didn't uh, acknowledge one of the I have a really wonderful student who's doing a lot of work that I think um, on this project that I think you're going to be pretty pleased with as well uh, Hannah Deckert, uh, she's a, a veteran um, and uh, she's uh, she was in the Army and uh, has done just some really outstanding work and uh, so uh, we're, we're excited to share uh, some of those with you in, in the coming weeks. So I think that's going to be really exciting, too. And the work that Hannah is working on, too, is to sort of summarize a lot of these things, to be able to pull um, this data to help. Um, the, you know, folks at the South Michigan Food Bank to think about the communities, the different communities for these targeted grants. I think this is exactly sort of what Jerry was talking about earlier, where we're thinking about the communities within, right, ba- Battle Creek are, are, are quite different, you know, right? It's all in the mm-hmm. city, but, but these communities have different needs. So we're doing this in a way that will help Uh, I think all of the food banks, again, this is a pilot, but but all of this will help uh, you guys think about, you know, how to target a little bit better and sharpen the focus. So, again, that's what all of this work is about, um, is sharpening the focus, telling the story and moving the needle in ways that we haven't been able to do before. And again, you know, Phil, you talked about in the beginning, everything was backwards looking. We're trying to look forward now. Uh, and I think that's going to be, um, you know, the, the, the real sea change that we have here uh, is being less reactive and more proactive in, in our approach uh, to, uh, to food insecurity.
1: Love it. Thank you, Steve. Dr. Steve Borders. Uh, from coastal carolina but uh i gotta say part of his heart's still in michigan (laughs) so steve thanks for being with us
0: thanks for having me
1: jerry and i will be back to wrap up this edition of food first michigan in just a moment Welcome back. Jerry, Dr. Steve Borders, uh, certainly a guy who's come alongside of us and is really helping us go to new levels by helping us acquire knowledge about our work and the families that we serve and the communities where we serve them in. But, you know, hey, i got to harken back to the monologue for just a minute to say, because I think you really, I hate to give you this compliment, but I think you really really address this well in your comments during the show that knowledge is liberating and it frees us to think about this work differently than what we have in the past and that leads to innovation and i think that to solve this problem you know we we got to we've got to liberate our minds and be creative thinkers and and so i think you really kind of captured that so Pick up on that for us.
2: You know, just starting with the transportation thing and you say, hey, right now, the way people are are making transportation more palatable as an issue is they're getting food for more than one household. Well, huh. So, so theoretically, that would take care of half of the transportation problem and not cost any money. Well, right. wait a minute. What if people got three households? What if they got four households? What if you could solve 75% of the transportation problem without spending a dime? Well, that's, I mean, that's a mind blowing idea, right? right. And you say, wait a minute, what would that take? What kind of cooperation would that take? And I'm even gonna relay this to how workplaces are thinking about life after COVID, you know, they're Mm -hmm. saying, Hey you know we can have desk sharing we we can have you know hot desking there's all these solutions that say we can use less space to have the same number of employees and it actually might be better and more convenient for them well can we apply those same business principles to our work in solving food insecurity right can we right. figure out not just more but better. And not just the food, but the barriers that people have to having access to food. I I mean, I do think there's a lot for us to learn as we continue to grow in our work, and you can't do that if you don't know. If you don't have the data, you just can't do it. So this is exciting. I know I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, literally. And and I want our listeners to know you're sitting on the edge of your seat in the back seat of your car. <laughs> yeah, right. This is the this is the weirdest uh, configuration we've had so far in terms of our studio. But right. you don't look too bad, there, Doctor. You got good light. I can see you okay. I know that's not what the the listener is seeing. But you know, just to let y'all know, uh, you never know where this show is gonna happen
1: from. <laughs> Yo. No. You don't you don't know it. Well, I'm yeah I'm in an event today to uh, support food security down here in Battle Creek and uh, and so it's it you know I just I just gotta tell you that I love Steve Borders man. I mean that guy um, he's super smart. Uh, he fits well with our team. He's passionate about the families we serve. Uh, that guy stands in the gap and uh, to use this knowledge. That he's gained in his life and his career and his education, and apply it to solving, helping us create a food secure Michigan, is a beautiful thing, and uh, I think it's gonna it's gonna take us places that we don't even realize yet. Well,
2: you know, one of the things we talk about values and what values we have to live by here at at, at Greener's, and and one of the things that we talk about as a really important value is innovation and the reason that we say that's important is because the problem isn't solved yet and so if you're going to solve it you have to have innovation as a value or it'll never be solved you've got to do some things you've never done before but what you don't want to do is throw darts at a dartboard and say well let's do that right you don't want to do it that way that's not helpful innovation but but to, to, to talk to our community about their experience, to learn what they're doing to make the most of what's available to them, and to incorporate those learnings into our work. Now that's good innovation, right? To, to, yeah. to not just look backwards at what the data was, but to look forward and say, based on what we know, here's how we should change what we do, That's good innovation. I like the way he talked about using the tools that business uses, and he specifically mentioned Amazon, but you could use almost any business at this point that's doing a significant volume of work to say they're learning from the information they have about people's habits and behavior to make sure that their offerings mirror what they know people want. That's good innovation, right? Those are all really important ideas as we continue to move to a place of saying, we're not going to just do good,
1: we're going to solve this problem. Right. Excellent, Jerry. Well, I think it's liberating. And uh, with that, it's time for a little food for thought. Since knowledge is power and is powerful, the more we know the more we can discern, discover, and develop ideas that will help us create positive solutions. Data, analytics, research, pilot projects are all part of our scientific approach to creating a food secure Michigan. But here is what we know so far. We know that we don't know enough. We don't know enough yet to solve the problem. But what we can't do is nothing. Our bias must be toward action, because feeding people today means we have an opportunity with enough knowledge to create a food secure tomorrow. And we'll start today by putting and keeping Food First, folks, Food First.